I could have started over Genesis 1 1. That's where I could have went. But Romans 3, uh, chapter 3. Uh, uh, and we, when we started out the chapter, wow, sorry, didn't mean to upset you. <laughs> it says, What advantage then hath the Jew, or what profit is there of circumcision? So, what he's looking at now is he's talking to the Gentiles. He's been talking to the Jews. Now he's coming back and comparing the Jews and the Gentiles together. Uh, and he goes through a bunch of stuff. We already hit most of that stuff. Uh, verse 4, God forbid, yea, let God be true, every man a liar. And, and it's, that's something we got to do in life is get to the point where we realize that the, the more you understand about God, the more you'll, you'll really understand about yourself. And then you also, I feel, I feel like most of the time I'm inadequate uh, at best when I come to this because I'm looking at this thing. And the closer I get to God, the more I see the holiness and the pureness that he has and the things he did. Uh, it makes you want to shut your mouth. You hate, I hate to be around people who just sit there and like they know everything. I'm like, how could you possibly know everything? I mean, when it comes to God, how could you? And you always have to be willing to, to ex look at what, examine what you think you know as compared to the scripture. Joe alluded to that uh, right there toward the end. And that's where the, most of the problems come in life is, is, first of all, we don't have enough knowledge about this book and the author of this book. So then when it comes to saying things that we, we get our, our feathers ruffled real quick because somebody told us this, 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 and this. And we really like that person. But if that person didn't know either, uh, then you're going down the road. So I got a little thing here called Romans Road. And uh, I talked last night about fruit. And I think everybody should have fruit. Uh, fishing, is, fishing is a simple thing. You've got to go fishing to catch anything. Unless you go to Kroger's and buy the, the frozen meat. You can buy frozen fish. But somebody had to fish and go out and catch it. And, and so you have to have the intent to go catch fish. You've got to, number one, understand that fish needs to be caught. Uh, that's why the Lord put him there. So humans, he calls us, he said he'll make you to be fishers of men. And I, get, I got a little thing here called Romans Road. This is a standard thing. There's lots of different ways. But, but this little verse right here is what it takes for somebody to get to the place where they can get saved. Uh, we're, I'm going to get into a, a lot of words here in a few minutes ago. We already looked at it. We're going to go for the sake of just of anybody who might have missed it or just a refresher. But, but just because you get somebody to say a sinner's prayer does not make them saved. What makes them saved is they come to the realization that they, let's take verse 1 here. Uh, step 1, Romans wrote step 1. Uh, uh, Romans 10, uh, 3.10, we, where that's one of the verses we read few, uh, in the passage here. We're up to 25, verse 25. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. So if you take that verse as it stands without adding anything to it, God is saying there's nobody on the planet that was ever righteous. So to get to heaven, you have to be righteous. How are you going to get righteous? I'm going to show you some of that stuff here in a few minutes. But, but there's so many churches out there that are trying to get numbers. Oh, I've got all these numbers. I've got this. I've got, oh, we led 55 people to the Lord. No, you just want to report that you led 55 people to the Lord, so people will think you led 55 people to the Lord. So everybody, and then everybody else gets depressed because we didn't lead 55 people to the Lord. They're getting thousands. How come we can't even get one? Uh, I was on a ship. If y'all didn't know I was in the Navy, I was in the Navy. <laughs> but I'm telling you, man, uh, I, the, when I, the Scott, I wish I had a replay of that thing for the three years I was on that ship. Nobody got saved. I mean, I had all kinds of fish biting. I had all kinds of stuff they wanted. I mean, they just kept coming. I could sit down for hours and hours and hours, talk about Jesus Christ all over the place. Nobody got saved. Uh, after I left the ship, three months after I left the ship, 15 guys got saved. I found out the reason why. Uh, Scott looked at me with a little smiley face on him. Beth met Scott Flood, and 
And uh, he, he, you remember Scott? Yeah, he's a little smile on his face and a little mustache. He looked like a little Hitler. And uh, he goes, well, you never asked me. I said, Scott, why didn't you ever get saved when I was there? He goes, you never asked me. And I thought, how simple that is to get it. But what I'm trying to say is I spent three years with these guys, night and day, to get them to the place where they were that ripe to pick. And what we do a lot of times is we go out there and find somebody who's living in the world, and they don't even understand that they're a sinner, and we're going to get them from being that to saved in 15 minutes. And you can't do that. It, it's, that is not the way the Lord does it. The Lord never has done it that way. He didn't do it. If you're saved in this room, he didn't do it for you, and he didn't do it that way for me. Uh, he did it very slowly, and he taught us some things slowly. So he says there's none righteous, no, not one. So that means everybody's gone. Next one, uh, step two. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. A person has to believe they're a sinner. The gospel is in uh, 1 Corinthians 15.3 and 4 is the gospel. If you ever want to know what the gospel is, it's 1 Corinthians 15.3 and 4. You can't miss it. Christ died for our sins. So the reason he died on the cross wasn't to, to he died for our sins. If we weren't sinners, he would have never had to die. Uh, he died for our sins, according to scriptures, was buried and rose again the third day. So he had to come back up. Step three here, it says, Romans 5.12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, Adam. So you got to know something about your Bible to understand how sin even got here. Sin isn't something I do against anybody else. Sin is, is my failure toward God. That's what sin is. It could be anything. I mean, we, we, not knowing, knowing that, I'm a, that there's an unrighteous, no, not one, that means I'm a hose head. Uh, for all of sin to come short of the glory of God, that means I'm a sinner. That, that one man came and died for the sins of the world, that's, that, that, mean, that includes me into that uh, uh, number right there that I can get in. And by death, sin, I said, so wherefore, as by one man, sin entered in the world, Adam, and death by sin, the wages of sin, and we're going to read the verse here in a second, the wages of sin is death, and so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. So that's why we die. Is because Adam and Eve ate that piece of fruit. You say, but it's just a piece of fruit. That's how much sin matters to God. Now, to us, we, we get compassion and we feel, but he's just, you know, but that's my, like, that's my, that's, that's Riley. Beth, Beth looks at Riley. Isn't she so cute? Isn't she this? I'm like, no, no, you're, you're, that's your granddaughter, man. Of course you're going to say that. <laughs> But, uh, but you sit there and look at all that stuff. Grand, that's what grandparents do, man. That's what moms and dads do. They run around, all that stuff. But you've got to get the emotional thing out of the way. When the Lord says stuff like he said here, for the wages of sin, step four is the wages of sin is death. And if you can get somebody down the path and you start down this road, said, uh, as is written, there's none righteous. Start with the one. And they go, okay, nobody's righteous. If they agree with that, Aaron was in here the other day, a girl from the Air Force, a new girl. Blessing. Really, really. She was using a different Bible. And somebody, uh, the other girl that was with her, started talking to her and showed her in the Bible, her King James Bible, where some verses were missing out of her Bible. She goes, well, why in the world is it like that? And I mean, boom, like that. She got out of an ESV or, or an NIV and right into a KJV in, in moments. Because in her heart, she's like, why would you take those verses out? I'm getting cheated with this one. And she chunked that man and got her a King James. Now, you say, what was it? That's somebody who's willing at a level out here to accept the truth. And she accepted it. And then she moved right on down the road. Shelly did a good one, too. I mean, she got eternal security like that, man. I mean, to me, I, I fought with people for years over that stuff. She, she logically, we went through some things in five, ten minutes, and she's like, oh, yeah, I guess I am safe forever. It's just that simple. 
when you look at it and you and you got the right heart, that thing will flow. It'll flow right down through there. It'll just continually flow. Uh, step five, it says, but God committed, oh yeah, step six, Romans uh, five, four, step four, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So there's the, the wages, the sin is what causes me to die, but there's a gift that can be had, and it's through a man named Jesus Christ. Uh, Romans five, and you got to get people to see that. Now I'm going to go through some words here, and just a few minutes after this is the reason I'm doing this. Is uh, and since we haven't done this, how long is? When was the last time we had class? It was November. Yeah, it was before November the fifth. So it's been a while. So y'all need to refresh her anyways. Uh, so and if anybody got any questions up to this point, good. <laughs> anybody got any questions up to this point? Cool. All right. So you have to be here, brother. There's a there's a there's a student in class that continually asks questions. And if and if that particular student, I'm not going to say male or female did not show up to class and they were watching it from home, if there was a dial in line, they would dial in with their questions. <laughs> or they would text. They would do something. But, 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 but there's nothing wrong with that. No question is ignorant, I'm telling you. So the, if the wages of sin is death and there's a gift out there, but God committed his love toward us. So God, before the foundation of the world, planned how to have us uh, into that plan. So it's, it's God loves, you mentioned uh, about the Jews and why the, You? You paying attention? <laughs> you were talking about the, the, the people getting the, the Jews mixed up with us and all that other stuff. But God intended all of us to be there. Every single person on the face of this planet. For all have sinned. That's everybody. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever. That's everybody. So he, what he did is he chose a way. And, and so when you get in your Bible, what you guys say is, how did God do this? He chose a people. Actually, he chose a man named Abraham. If Adam and Eve is the father of everybody on this planet, then out of Adam and Eve came everybody, and there's a line that gets you down to Adam, or down to Abraham, and Abraham was the one he chose to bring Christ into the world through his seed down through that line. What he was doing was bringing Christ into the world so that the world, the whole world could get saved. Then, on top now, since that's the case, he set this group of people aside to be priests, and they had a job to do. And so they never understood their job, so they got in trouble. He says, but, but God committed his love toward us, and while it, we yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Step six is uh, 10, 9, and 10, which is one of my favorite verses. That uh, It says right there, it says, uh, that if thou shalt confess. Now, you've got to get a person to this point right here. This is, this is the verse you're trying to get them to, is that they will admit that they're a sinner. They will admit that Christ is the Savior. They have to admit that they need somebody to get them into heaven and that Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead and that he is a risen living savior and his blood can save their soul. You get a person to read, understand that, then they can say that verse right there, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in thy heart that God had raised him from the dead. That's Romans, uh, that's Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15, uh, 3 and 4, 4 uh, that God had raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved, past tense, and that's eternal life. So the verse itself gives you everything. Step seven, it says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, anybody who calls can get saved. Getting saved, uh, I was talking to Beth on the way over here today. She had talked to a lady a long, long time ago that she lived with. Uh, and, and the lady did not want her to marry me because Beth was a, a tenant of hers. And if she married me and left and went to Norfolk, she's going to lose her rent money. 
So I guess if we paid her rent money, she would have been okay with it, maybe. But anyways, she, Beth married me and we left. And, and today, this was 33 years ago, and today Beth was talking to her, and she still hadn't got some of these words down. She still thinks that if you sin, you got to repent of your sin or you can lose your salvation. Her bad, bad sin. So now you got you got to make some sins real bad, like mortal sins, and then some menial sins, and then some white little white sins, and some of these other sins. I was Catholic, brother, so I, I mean, you got all these things. And then, then the amount of Hail Marys and Our Fathers, you got to say, is directly proportional to the, the depth of the sin that you did. And I'm thinking, okay, uh, when I went into that, uh, I took the kids down here to uh, the one on Xenia, St. Mary's, and their candles. Did, have you ever been in where the candles are now electric lights? Brother, St. Mary's is electric lights. When you light the candles for sins for, uh, for, the, for the people, yeah, they're, they're a little electric. You put a quarter in yeah, but no, they got to the point where they don't want to make the candles anymore, cost too much, so you put a quarter in, and the light comes on for so amount of minutes, and it goes off. So if you want to really pray for somebody, you got to put 50 cents in, and you, I'm thinking, what guy, but you know, but they believe that, but, but back in the day, I mean, I'm walking in at 13 years old, I'm like, this is like stupid, man. I'm like, I, I deal with the people out on the streets, they got more sense than that, and so my mom, they didn't ever understand me, and I was looking for the truth. So when you get into this thing, what I'm trying to say is it's such a, it's a, such a blessing to be in it that uh, there's a difference. There's a difference. So Romans 3.25. Let's go to Romans 3.25. We'll start there. We looked at all the verses. You get up to verse. Yeah, it is. 3.25. That's right. Being justified freely, verse 4, 24. Being justified freely by, by his grace. It's not ours. It's his. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, a gift of God. So it's his grace is how I got saved. I didn't even know I needed to get saved. Through the redemption that is, that is in Christ Jesus. Now that piece of paper I gave you has a bunch of words on it. And there is no difference. There is no difference between the Jew and the Greek and the Gentile. Uh, we're all the same. So if you look at your little piece of paper behind, on the, right at the bottom right here. Uh, the first one, here are words in your Bible that, that you need to understand, number one, just for yourself. Once you understand it for yourself, then you can help somebody else understand them. It's like they say on an airplane, if you're going to crash, I don't even know why they tell people this. Uh, you're on your way down, you're going to crash, and the oxygen thing comes out of the, wind, the ceiling. Put it on your face first so you can put it on somebody else to help them. I would want to help them if I'm going to crash, man, let them go on and pass out. It won't hurt as bad. Uh, you're going to hit the ground at... Four or five hundred miles an hour. Why would you want to revive them so they get ah, all the way down? Man, I don't know. I've never figured that one out. <laughs> now, if you know you're not going to crash, yeah, put yours on first, help them. But, but there's some words here. Justification. You need to be justified. And there, when you sin, the first sin, a penny, stealing a penny, uh, telling a little lie. Everybody wants to make these big sins uh, matter more than the little sins. What the big sins will do, and I, they, they will mess you up, uh, uh, there are sins against the flesh that will actually cause you problems for the rest of your life. Like, let's say you get AIDS, or you get uh, a disease or something that, that you got because you went out and did something you shouldn't have done. That thing could last for you the rest of your life. Uh, you do, my dad was an alcoholic, and he messed his liver up, he messed all of his organs. They say alcohol just destroys everything in your body. Uh, that sin right there messed him up. There's other things that we do. We lie, we cheat, we do whatever. 
And that's not necessarily a sin against the flesh, but it's just as equal to the, the sin of anything else. All sin, they say all roads, roads lead to Rome. All sin leads to hell. All sin leads to hell. So you need something to get you out of that. So justification, the, the declaration, number one, the declaration that a man is righteous when he is not. There's none righteous, no, not one. So how are you going to become righteous? You see this, this thing about somebody getting saved and how easy it is? It is a piece of cake, man. If you can get somebody to a place where they understand that they're in trouble. I mean, when I was on my back porch in 1980, there, nobody else is in the conversation. It was just being God. I was out on the back porch, and usually my conversations with him were at nighttime. Uh, there's a couple during the middle of the day, but most of them were at nighttime. I'd start reading my Bible probably about 5 or 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock, and I'd read it for a while, and then I'd go out and sit on the back porch, and I'd just talk to the sky. And it was just me and him going back and forth. Uh, when I had a serious question, my uncle was a Southern Baptist preacher, I'd go ask him because I, I figured he was going to give me a whole lot better answer than a Catholic would ever. A Catholic priest would say, say, say five our, our fathers and ten Hail Marys. And that never seemed to work for me. I didn't know what that was supposed to do when you said all of it. And not only that, I would go, our father, our father, our father, our father, our father. Pretty soon I was cheating. I didn't go through the whole prayer anyways. Uh, Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Hail Mary, five. Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Hail Mary. Our Father, Hail Mary. So you get to the rosary, you do it really quick. And I can say them in about three minutes, which was not what they intended. Uh, they intended you. But justification. For me to get to heaven or anybody else, I have to be justified. Now, we're going to get into what, what uh, that lady was talking to Beth, because what she doesn't understand, there's a difference. There's a couple words in here that... Once you understand the meaning of these words, you can understand, like Joe was talking about, dispensations. Uh, the cross is the, the key, is, is, a, is a, a dead ringer for dispensation. People say, well, uh, I'm not a dispensationalist. Then, then you have to question, do they even know who Jesus Christ is? Uh, you can't miss it. It's laying right in the Bible. I mean, how in the world could you possibly miss it? Before Jesus Christ died on the cross, when, it, when he died on that cross, one second before he died, Peter could have went right to hell. If Jesus Christ would have never died on that cross, even if Peter did everything, he would have went to Abraham's bosom. He wouldn't have went, he wouldn't have went to heaven. So how in the world are you? And he even tells you that on the cross when he's dying, Jesus Christ shuts his mouth. I'm going to show you how, how important salvation is to the Lord. He didn't say a word to either one of them guys. You know what we do? We tell everybody, oh, you've got to go out and pass tracks. And I think you should. We've got to go out and tell everybody that Jesus Christ. And I think you should. But, but don't you think that my tutor, like the Lord Jesus Christ, should be doing like the same thing? Why on a cross did he hang there and never say a word to either one of these guys about their, their souls? He could have turned his head either way. Said, hey, you know you're going to go to hell? Hey, you know you're going to go to hell? Now, he might have done that. I don't know. But it isn't recorded. But at the moment this guy over here gets to the place where he starts realizing Hey, you and I deserve what we got on this cross. You did this, 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 and I did this, this, and this. You and I deserve it, but this man did nothing. He don't deserve anything. And he goes, hey, Lord, you, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And the moment he, he, she said that, he got the words off his lip. The Lord looked right at him and said, today thou shalt be in paradise. Well, if the Lord's going to be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights, he obviously wasn't in heaven. That's just common sense. He's not there yet. So where in the world did he go? Not the purgatory, that's a good cabin. 
We went to purgatory. No, 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 no. Boy, I, I would not want to be a Catholic, and I would not want to be the last Catholic that dies. Because if I go to purgatory, ain't nobody going to pray me out, man. I'm stuck there forever. Everybody, I can pray everybody else out of purgatory, and they're all in heaven, and I'm going to go in. There's not anybody left to pray me out. But I'm sitting there going, okay, if he's three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, where is he? So dispensationally, the cross changed something. It, something changed right there. Because now, absent from after the cross, anybody who gets saved, absent from the body, present with the Lord. So then there's some words that will apply on this side of the cross that, that didn't work on this side over here at all. And when you start looking at it, at what will happen is the churches out there today are still trying to, trying, trying to just mix this all together like this, and like everything's the same on both sides, and it's just not. And knowing it's not, because you've got a Bible in your hand, makes a difference. Justification. In the Old Testament, they need to be justified just like they do in the New Testament. I need to be justified. If they did what they were supposed to do under the law and did all the stuff, grace in the Old Testament, grace in the New Testament is the same. However, the application of grace is a little different in the New Testament than it is in the Old Testament, although it's the same grace. Abraham had grace, and I have grace. Same grace. There is no difference. God's grace is the same. But Abraham had to do certain things, and if he didn't do them, he could have lost his, his avenue to Abraham's bosom because the day that the thief died on the cross, that thing was called Abraham's bosom to that moment. The moment Jesus Christ looked at that thief and said, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise, he just took control of Abraham's bosom. It is now mine. It's no longer Abraham's. Abraham, Father Abraham, you started the thing. There it is. We're going to put everybody there. However, comma, guess what? It had to be there before Abraham because Noah's there. Noah died before Abraham. Where did Noah go? He went to that place. Then God called it Abraham's bosom. He got named that. And all the way down to the cross, at the cross, Jesus Christ took it. So three days, three nights, he's in the heart of the earth. They can't get out of there unless Jesus comes out. So you know how? You know you got eternal security? He came out. If he didn't come out, you ain't, you ain't got it yet either. So he had to come out. So justification, redemption, redemption and remission. There's two different words there. And in the Old Testament, I am redeemed. I have remission of my sins in the New Testament. They have remission of sins in the Old Testament. But where did they go when they died in the Old Testament? So they didn't get redemption. They got remission. So their sins were remitted and God was satisfied with that, and they got to go to Abraham's bosom. I die on this side of the cross, I get remission, because the moment I trust Jesus Christ, he, my sins are forgiven, right? I get redemption at the exact same moment, absent from the body, present with the Lord. I get something on this side that they did not get on that side until Jesus Christ went down and redeemed them, and as a matter of fact, they're not even redeemed yet until they get to heaven and go through the white throne judgment and they get redeemed up there. So we're redeemed. You got, man, we got it made. I mean, really, brother, we got it made. We ought to be shouting. And this world, when we come across somebody that doesn't understand that, we ought to feel sorry for them. Uh, because I'm like, but we will look at them and say, oh, well, don't you understand? That's, that's easy. I've been doing this for 65 years. This isn't easy. Uh, to live a Christian life is hard. It's, a, it's probably one of the hardest jobs I've ever had. Anyways, redemption. Propit propitiation, number three. Verse 25. Go to 25. Verse 25. 
whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. So it's the blood. It's the blood that Christ shed at Calvary. And when a person gets to a place where they realize that in the Old Testament, God required something for them to get redeemed. It was a blood offering. In the New Testament, he requires something for us to get redeemed. It's called a blood offering. The question is, is where's your blood offering? I tell people all the time, I said, when was the last time you killed a bunny? Or, or I had to say that. Or a lamb. Two turtle doves. This thing about Mary, Mary being uh, the immaculate, all this other stuff. When Mary had Jesus Christ, she had to take two turtle doves and go and sacrifice the two turtle doves. That's scripture. If you go back to Leviticus and you look at why she took the two turtle doves, it was for the sin of having a baby. She had to get, uh, her sins had to be redeemed for her having that child. She was a sinner just like we were. Yet here's a church sitting there teaching that she is sinless. No, nobody said, but that goes right, I heard Joe say it just before I, he left. It goes right against the scripture. If the scripture says all have sinned, then that's going to put Mary right in that, in that category. And that's going to put you, me, everybody else in that category. The only person that could not have ever sinned, if Jesus Christ was all man, and he was not all God and man at the same time, then he could have sinned. But he has that other half of him right there, which is Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, in his body, Christ manifest in flesh. He has that which kept him out of that. He couldn't do it. He could not sin because he was God manifest in flesh. All the rest of us are a mess. We're just a total mess. Anyways, propitiation, verse 25. The price paid, and you got the definition there, the price paid to sanctify or to satisfy the demand of an angry God. So God's looking for something to pay the price for sin. That's how bad sin is. He hates sin. Sin can't dwell in his presence. It has to go away. So he knew that we could never. Now people say, well, God's bad at me. Oh, really? Are you saved? Yeah. Then he loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you so you could go to heaven. And you're going to tell him. And the only way that you could go to heaven is Jesus down there. You can open that door. What? You can hear it in there? But then we can't hear you. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. So propitiation uh, for an angry God against sin. The difference between redemption and propitiation is that there is no, is that is in redemption. There is no redemption. The propitiate Christ, God was not satisfied with the redemption that the Old Testament saints had because they went to Abraham's bosom. He wasn't mad at them, but he was not satisfied with that redemption or that uh, remission. When you get to the New Testament, Jesus Christ takes the blood that he had to the point where, take your Bible, go to um, uh, 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 John 20. I think it's John 20. This is a crazy book, brother. I'm telling you, it's a crazy, crazy, crazy book. They had all this, and they, they just didn't get it, man. Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah, 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 go down to verse 17, 2017. The whole story there is uh, Peter, James, John, all of them comes down there. Uh, verse 15 says, Jesus answered, talking to Mary, said, uh, why weepest thou? Not Mary's his mother. I said, uh, Jesus answered, uh, woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? You know, he always wants you to, he wants to find out what you're thinking. Uh, John, John chapter 20, verse 15. 
Jesus said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Question mark. Whom seek thou? And he's looking for an answer from her. From her. The hardest thing you'll ever get somebody to do is answer him. Uh, we want them to answer us. And we want, because it makes us feel better if we know that everybody got saved around us and they're saved and we can go tell everybody they got saved. Whether they're saved or not is irrelevant. Jesus is not going to win somebody to himself or lead somebody to himself unless they understand they're lost. They need to understand their condition. Uh, she's supposing him to be the gardener because she still doesn't know about Christ. She hadn't got it yet. She goes, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him away, hence, tell us, you took his body, he's dead. We know he's dead, he's not risen, he's not this, he's dead, he's dead, he's somewhere dead. What'd you do with him? Sir, if thou hast borne, uh, borne him hence, uh, tell me where uh, thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said unto Mary, she turned, her, uh, turned herself unto him, uh, and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is the same master. At that point, she got it. She now knows who she's talking to. So it's face to face. Now she comprehends a risen living Savior. She's got it. However, he hasn't finished the job yet because verse 17 says, Jesus says unto her, Touch me not. For I, for, uh, touch me not, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. But go and tell my brethren uh, and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father and to your Father and to my God and to your God. Now you're going to understand why Paul brought some of these words out propitiation. God had had to be satisfied with the payment for sin. That's what Jesus Christ is just getting ready to do. It's simple. If Mary would have went, oh, Jesus, and touched him, she would have tainted him. And now he's unclean again. He said, don't touch me. And she didn't, which was a good thing. Because he had to go to heaven, walk down. Man, could you imagine that scene in heaven? I mean, the gates open up. Michael and Gabriel sitting there. They done got the gates and the horns are going all over the place and everything. And Jesus is walking there with his, with his thing of blood. And he's walking down through there. He's all shiny and glowy and all this other stuff. And he's walking there. How you doing, guys? How you doing? Everybody? And they're just shouting and screaming and hollering. And there's no room for us in there anyways. I mean, if, if a, a person is arrogant and, like I said last night about envy, there's no place for envy in this thing. Uh, there's people trained different. There's people who know things different. than man, I thank God for men that has taught me over the years. I would not know, and the Lord used the Navy for that in me. He, he used these men to teach me some things that, hey, you, you learn from other people so that when I got to a place where men were going to teach me about the Bible, I had to realize that, yeah, I know some things and there's some things I just don't know. And I need to realize that these are things I don't know and I need to know them. And as long as I know that this thing is the word of God, if they match this thing, then I can trust them. And that's what you got to do. So you got to get some groundwork down. So the, the, Jesus walks down through that, oh man, I don't know how long, eternity, I mean, outside of the universe, how long could that walk be? He might have big steps, man. I mean, he could step like 500 light years every step. Uh, whatever it is, he goes all the way down there, and, and God the Father is standing there, or sitting there, mad at all of us. He has to be. Why? Because he's got Satan sitting there. And Satan is going, you can't do this for them unless there has to be a payment, there has to be a payment. It has to be a payment. It has to be a payment. This one must have hit Satan broadside, man. He, he probably never figured this one out. And the Lord said, watch, I'm going to make me a payment. Now, I don't know how he split himself into threes. I, people say, Father, that thing still got me. The Trinity sounds so simple to understand, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. But they're one. But they're three. But they're one. But they're three. He offered himself to himself for himself. I don't know how that worked. It worked, though. I'm, I got in. I'm glad of that. 
the, 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 right here, the definition, the price paid to sacrifice, he, his own blood, our blood would never, the blood of bulls and goats never was adequate. It was okay for remission, but not redemption. For redemption, it's going to take something greater than the blood of bulls and goats. If you just want remission, you can get remission. But to get that redemption, you're going to have to have him. There's no other way. And he knew that before the foundation of the world, there was no other way but him coming and dying. It was just that simple. Uh, the next word. Any questions on any of that? Any of it? You got it? This isn't boring, you guys. Is it going over this again? I, I'll tell you what, it's good. It's good, man. I think it's good. Yeah. Uh, on the next page, it says, uh, the finish of that is uh, remission. 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 No, uh, no, not remission. Pr propitiation. Uh, propitiation is that remission, uh, the, the payment. Let's, I'm going to read that whole thing because I got half of it on one page and half on the other. The difference between redemption and propitiation, not remission, but redemption. Man, that's a tongue twister. The difference between redemption and propitiation is that, re that in redemption, the payment is made. In propitiation, the payment is accepted. So God accepted the payment Christ made. What he, Christ did not need to be redeemed. He is the Son of God. He did not need redemption. He did not need remission. He, he needed to make a, a payment, a propitiation. He, he needed to appease God for the anger God had at sin. The, the redemption and remission is for us. Not for him. It's for us. So what he did was he was the propitiation for me. Since I can't do it, he became that for me. And then now when I get saved on this side of the cross, I get redeemed immediately, just like he, he would redeem a lamb or redeem a firstborn. And I get remission immediately. I get permanently redeemed. I'm in heaven, sealed by it. My sins are remitted when I get to heaven. He says, as far as east is from the west, so far ever. He doesn't see anything about me being bad anymore. Uh, oh, man, we better, I better keep going. Remission, the payment. Uh, the next one there, verse number four, or number four in verse 25. It says, uh, whom God has set forth to be a perpetuation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past. So the old people in the Old Testament, their sins were past and they were remitted, but they were never redeemed. When I get saved on the other side of the cross, my sins are remitted. That means they're covered. So Abraham's bosom, everybody down there, the thief on the cross, he said, we deserve everything we got. Lord, remember me. And the moment he got, the Lord said, today thou will be with me in paradise, his sins were remitted right there. They're gone. He goes over to Abraham's bosom. There is nobody in Abraham's bosom that has sin on them. Not a single one of them. But they can't get to heaven because they've only been redeemed. Man, don't y'all see how good this is on this side? I get remission. <laughs> I get redemption. I get sanctification. Oh, we're going to get to sanctification. Because this lady over here that she was talking about today didn't believe in sanctification. Remission, the payment of sin for sin is applied to your account and you are forgiven the debt that you owe. So God no longer is upset with me. Uh, my sins have been remitted. And then I get redemption on this side. I mean, there's so many words. Uh, exp uh, expiation. Expiation. The act of purging, burning out, of, or cleansing of sin. Sin is taken away, uh, not merely forgiven, based on the actions of Christ on our behalf. Uh, go to Psalm 
Well, so go, uh, I got them there, so you don't need to. Psalm uh, 103, 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Brother, I mean, they're gone. They're gone. Uh, you and I may be wicked devils, and we may walk this planet wicked devils, and we may screw up all the time, all day long. We may feel like we're useless and not worth shooting, but in God's eyes, we're children of God. He sees us as clean little white guys all over the place, and we're ready to go to heaven, and he's going to let us come in. Now, he wants us to get there, and, and the treasures and everything that we get when we're there is what we do once we get to the place where we understand exactly what happened here, and we move on. Uh, to, to always sit at the point of salvation, worrying about this, worrying about that, worrying about this, that, 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 you're wasting time. You're wasting time. Uh, you're a hose head. Okay, we're all hose heads. Every one of us are screwed up. There's not a single one of us that's screwed. That's not screwed up. The Lord knows that. Okay, then serve me messed up. If you're the best you can do is messed up, then then be the best messed up person you can possibly be, man. Don't sit there. The devil's going to tell you you're messed up. I know you're messed up. I already got that, man. I, that, why do you think I died if I if I, oh man it goes on. Uh, Micah seven nineteen. Be there. Micah seven nineteen says he will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. Now, he's talking Old Testament saints here. He will subdue our iniquities, and, and that will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. Now, that's a future thing he's going to do to the Jews. But right now, you and I got that. The moment you got saved. That's why eternal How could eternal, now here you go, how could eternal security not be eternal security? If my sins, is, as far as is east from the west, my sins have been removed from me, what could he possibly be mad at me about? There's nothing left. He's done got rid of it all. So I have to get more sin on me, but I can't get more sin on me because John over, oh, go to 1 John, 1 John. 1 John chapter 2. This is what Paul did. If it wasn't for Paul, we wouldn't understand any. First of all, in the New Testament, these guys all got what Paul said. If it wasn't for Paul, man, we'd be a mess. When I talk to people, we had a guy here a while back and causing all kinds of trouble. And uh, he never got it. He just never got it because he just didn't. He didn't get it. Uh, hang on. Hang on. Because I'm looking for the verse that says, and sinneth not. Because it's not in him. Whosoever is not. I haven't marked him out of the Bible. Nine? Could be nine. Because uh, it says sin is not in him. Man, I thought it was there. Oh, yeah, verse, uh, chapter 3, chapter 3, I'm sorry, verse 9. Now, now, he says this, which is amazing. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. Well, how in the world could that possibly be? Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. For his seed, whose God's seed, remain, remains in him. And he cannot sin because he is born of God. So then you go back to John chapter uh, 3. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again. Well, before I was born again, I was a body and a soul, and my sin. So then you're going to get into circumcision. That's something else that happened. Over on this side right here, the moment, it wasn't that some doctor circumcised me when I was a kid, baby. No. On this side over here, 
in Abraham's bosom, they go down there, they're still a body and a soul, and they're not remitted. They're, 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 they have no redemption. Their sins have been remitted, but they're still a body and soul. They need, to, they need to separate that thing. On this side over here, the moment I got saved, Christ became the propitiation for my sin 2,000 years ago. 1980 on the back porch, I realized that. I said, okay, you're what I want. The moment I got that, something happened right inside of me. And I didn't even realize it happened. So Jesus Christ, it's called the body, soul, and spirit. There's so much stuff in this book, man. It's like, it's just a little book. How can it all be here? Uh, he talks about the body, soul, and spirit. And in the Old Testament, a body, when Adam and Eve, he said, the day that thou shalt eat of the, uh, the tree of life, you shall surely die. But they didn't die that day. Something died. Their spirit died. So now it's dead. And, they're, and, they're, and everybody after Adam and Eve has a body and a soul. They're tied together. So when they sin, the sin goes to this. They, uh, they use the blood of the goats and lambs to cover the sin. Their sins get remitted because they do the right thing. And they die and go to Abraham's bosom. In the New Testament, we're the exact same way as they were in the Old Testament. But the cross has now been applied and is sitting here. And when a person, and God's pleased with that, with that offering right there. So the offering's on the table. It's free. Don't cost a dime. But, and when a person comes to a realization that that is there and that they're what they are and they accept that, the moment that happens, the moment a person gets saved, they get circumcised. Their soul and their spirit comes back to life. Their soul and their spirit gets pulled off to the side. They get sealed, Ephesians 1, 13 through 18. They get sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And their body is over here, separate. Any sin that you commit in this flesh, anything that goes right here, never can touch that. Amen. So when God sees me, he sees this. Amen. He knows this is here, and he's going to spank me because of that. Amen. But he sees me here. And what we need to do, so, so then, I'm going to get to a word here in a few minutes. It's called sanctification. The day I got saved, and all this stuff happens on this side. The, the poor guys over there, they didn't get nothing. On this side over here, the moment I get saved, I, I, Jesus Christ saved my soul. My spirit, comes, his Holy Spirit comes in me, not on me, in me. In the Old Testament, it was on him, could leave him, right? In the New Testament, it ain't going to happen no more. It comes in me. As a matter of fact, it comes in me so much, it brings a dead one back to life. And the dead one says, hey, soul, you need to get away from that guy because that guy ain't no good. And the Holy Spirit of God seals these two until the day of redemption. I am now totally sanctified. This guy ain't, though. So then Paul talks about being daily sanctified. You, so daily, what happened to her, the lady she was talking to, she, got, she says, I know I'm saved, I know I'm saved. Yeah, but you didn't understand a couple words. People say, why do you keep going over the words? Because you don't understand the words. There's a difference. There's a difference. If I understand that I was sanctified the day I got saved, then when John says that, it makes perfectly good sense. I can't sin because I'm, I'm sealed. How in the world sin can't get to me because I'm a child of God? But then why would he say over, now go back to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. It's a crazy book, man. It's already 9 o'clock. I was supposed to be through this stuff and into chapter 10. <laughs> I'll never get through this stuff, man. Uh, yeah, it's like it's like what? <laughs> look at this. Look at this. How how does this work? What 
Okay, so you go to verse 4. John, 1 John. Everybody there, 1 John chapter 1, verse 4. It says, And these things write we unto you, John said, that your joy may be full. So he wants you to be happy. Has that got to do with salvation? No, it has nothing to do with salvation. It has to be unhappy. You sad all the time? It's because you've got some issues going on. Watch this. Uh, this then is the message which we have heard of him, verse 5, and declare unto you. That's what our job is, to declare the word to somebody else to get them a little happier. Uh, declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Well, wait a second. I thought I was already cleansed. Why do I need it? So then you get the false doctrine that once you get saved, you never have to ask for sin, remission of sins ever again because your sins are already remitted. That's, that is heresy, man. That is a, that's a bunch of heresy. That'll, that'll get you dead. That'll make you, you you'll go crazy. Why? Because you're building up sin on this, this guy over here said, yeah, that's cool, man, do it. I can go do whatever I want to do. I can get drunk, I can go do this, I can chase all these women around, I can do whatever I want, get away with it. Because I don't ever sin. No, why would he give you a passage here, if we, but if we walk in the light, as he's in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, watch this one, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Wait a second. How could I... How could I have sin if I have no sin? Because, because you're talking about two different entities here. Which one is that verse two? It's this guy. I still got to live in this world. And I still got to walk on this planet. And I still got to live daily and I got to sanctify this flesh daily. That's why you don't do all the things that you can do. Love not the world, neither the things in the world. If any man love the world, love the Father not in him. That's why you don't do that stuff because it gets on this guy. But if you do do something and you screw it up, and you mess up, and you know I did. Then if we confess our sins, verse 9, one, chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, now, now he's going to get you here because he's going to say, don't tell me you ain't sinned, you little liar. If we say we have no sin, we, deceive, we make him a liar, and his, his word is not in us. So, so you are a sinner, but then the words Paul comes up, he goes, John was sinner going, oh, man. Oh, everything Paul says is hard to... Oh, man, go to Peter, 2 Peter. 2 Peter. I love these guys, man. They make me feel, they, they make me feel comfortable. 2 Peter, chapter, chapter 3, I believe. I got to find it. It's in my Bible. It says at 3, 315. Is everybody there? This is Peter. This is the Pope. This is telling you, this will tell you why the Catholic Church is all screwed up. They chose the wrong guy. An account that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved Paul, according, uh, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in, uh, in them of things in which are some things hard to be understood. <laughs> he goes, which, that, uh, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest as they do also the other scriptures under their own destruction. Paul, Peter is saying, 
I'm telling John said the same. What Paul said, if you don't get this sanctification down, if you don't get this propitiation down, if you don't get this redemption down, if you don't get uh, redeemed down, uh, if you don't get these words down in your life and understand what they are, then on this side of the cross, you're going to try to live just like they did on that side of the cross, and you're two different people. You're a body, soul, a, a soul and a spirit sealed. Go to Ephesians. I'll stop right here. It's already 9 o'clock, man. Paul. I wish Paul was here. He could probably get through this. No, he was long. <laughs> He'd go all night long, and you, you better be glad we don't have the windows because you'd be falling out the windows and everything, man. <laughs> Landing on the ground, breaking your neck, and all kinds of stuff. Ephesians. <laughs> it's cool, man. I like it. It's, it's, it's good stuff. Ephesians 1.13. In whom, if you're there, Ephesians 1.13. In whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. That's 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. Uh, in whom also after ye believed. The Ethiopian eunuch over there, he said, what hindered me to be baptized? It's amazing how your Bible is worded. Philip said, if thou believest. He said, what hindereth me? If thou believest, thou mayest be baptized. You got to believe what? The gospel. Where is the gospel? You ask people that and they'll say, you got to believe on Jesus Christ. Why would I believe on Jesus Christ? There's a reason why, because I'm lost. You got to get them lost before you can get them saved. They got to understand they're lost. He goes, uh, uh, he goes, also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. So there's no other way to make any sense of any of that except for when I was lost, my body and soul was tied together. All the sin that I sinned in my body, because you can't sin in your soul because your soul don't walk around except in your body, was transferred right to your soul. And that's what the burden was, and that's what would throw me into hell. Uh, my body would go on the ground like it always did, but then my, my soul would go to a place called hell. So when Jesus died on the cross, I needed, some, I needed a way to get remission of sin, like the Old Testament did, but I needed redemption. I needed to be redeemed also, like he did in the Old Testament. He said, if you take a lamb in the Old Testament, uh, a, 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 a first, first cat or like an ass or whatever, you break its neck or you have to redeem it. So everything requires a redemption. Something requires being redeemed. He's teaching that all the way through the Bible. There's nothing, but that redemption didn't come to Jesus Christ. The moment I trusted Jesus Christ, he, he takes a spiritual knife and splits these two apart, ties these two together. Ephesians 1, 13 through 18, he seals these until the day of redemption. Uh, my flesh is sitting here and I sin and 1 John pops into this thing. I knew a guy blew his brains out because he said he never sinned again. There's a, there's a preacher, a Baptist preacher down in Tennessee that teaches that once you get saved, you never have to ask for remission. You never have to ask for uh, forgiveness of sins ever again because you were sanctified. No, what happens is you, you're, you are sanctified, but that sin builds up. You got you to keep this thing sanctified. Well, the act of sanctification is being holy, and we'll get into some of that too, being holy and pure and clean and all that stuff, and, and, that, and getting those sins under the blood. He's given you the blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse you from all sins, to get rid of this. He's given you that for free. It's sitting there. So there's a, a, ample amount, adequate amount, to keep you out of trouble. He knows that until you, boy, wouldn't it be great if the moment you got saved, he took you home? Because you'd be right in heaven, right then and there, as perfect as you're ever going to be, and none of this happened. But you can still do that any day. You can keep, keep it under the blood, and you're just as clean and sanctified on a daily basis. And Paul said, I die daily. Why would he say that? So they get it. So I'll shut up. Any questions?
We're still on 25. I can tell that right now. I hate it, man. I don't hate it. What is it? No, oh, Second Peter three. Uh, I went to fifteen. Go back there. Actually, you, though, you can read the whole chapter, man. It's good. The whole chapter is good, man. It's only fifteen verses. But Paul starts talking. You, uh, verse ten. If you're going to try to tell somebody this, really, verse ten is where you need to start. It says, "But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, uh, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise." Well, that's not the rapture. So that's, you're, you're talking about uh, the, the coming second, at the end of Revelation when 19, when he comes back, man, this whole thing's going to fall apart. He goes, uh, with a great noise, the elements shall melt with a fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. So now you're at Revelation 21. That's after the white throne judgment. That's after the thousand-year millennial reign of Jesus Christ. That's your, Revelation 21 is where everything gets burned up. So Peter, he's going from the beginning to the end. He, he's covering... Uh, of 1,500 years, uh, 1,007 years quick right here. In a, in a verse, you're going 1,007 years. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. Now, what most people do is they'll try to say this is all going to happen right now. It ain't going to happen right now. It, you're looking at over 1,000 years. Well, in 1,000 years, where am I at in this picture? I'm at the beginning of that seven-year tribulation that hasn't started yet, and I'm in the church age, again, dispensationally, this is where I'm at. So one of these days, the rapture is going to happen, the catching away. I'm going to be caught up. I was talking to that guy down in Austin, Texas, and he was an old preacher behind me. He was older than I was. He's probably 75. And uh, he sits there, and I said, do you believe in the rapture? He goes, well, I don't know. I don't know about the rapture. I don't know about it. I knew right off the bat that he didn't like that word. He goes, I don't know what you call it, but the Lord's going to come and take us out of here. Well, you idiot, you're just, just stubbornness. I mean, you know that he's going to take you out before that all happens. That's called the rapture. Now, the word is, the phrase is catching up, caught up. You could say, I'm going to be caught up. Okay, it's just we use, but we use the word baptized. We baptize somebody. Well, hell, hell is not the word. Uh, it is Hades. If you, if you speak the Greek word, you take the Greek word and speak that word in English and, and pronounce that Greek word in English, it's Hades. Then why don't you say, well, to Hades with them? You know, you don't do that. You go to, you say it the other way. But <laughs> I wonder if the other way was bad. <laughs> Since nobody understands that they, it must be okay. But, but we change words, and those are okay to change. But you can't change that one. You can't say rapture instead of uh, caught up. That's uh, it's just insane stuff. But anyways, verse 11 then says, Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be? in all holy conversation and godliness. So Peter is talking about your, your way of life, your, your manner, what's going on in your life. Looking and for the hastening, and then you go on into here, and the only way you're going to understand all the stuff that we're going is you're going to have to go back and read Paul. The Catholic Church should have chose Paul for their pope, first pope. They'd have been a whole lot better off. Uh, but they chose the wrong, they chose, they chose the inferior one of the bunch. As a matter of fact, here you go, watch this. The Lord had 12 of them. One of them turned him in. So now he has 11. These guys get together and choose another one. They don't even choose Paul. They choose another one. God says, I can't even use none of you. I got to go get Paul. And I got to go knock him. I got to go get somebody killing Christians and just taking them out and taking them to the bank. 
And he's sitting there thinking he's doing good. He's having fun doing it. I'm going to mess his day up. And he goes, but this guy is a genius. And this guy can write some stuff and understand some stuff. And I can reveal some things to him, and he'll get it. And he's going to be so bad that when he gets this thing, he's going he's to be so good because he was so bad. He's going to try his hardest. I've had preachers say, Mike, you shouldn't try hard because you can never pay back Jesus Christ for all he's done for you. But then you've never been that bad. <laughs> I said, I'm looking. I'm like, man, he's done all this. This is good stuff. Any, any other questions? Did that answer that at all? Yeah. If you start back there, what you're going to do is you're going to get to Peter. And Peter's going to start talking about all the stuff Paul's talking about. And he's going, some of this stuff's hard to understand. So people who really don't talk about it or who argue about this stuff, they have never even tried to understand it. They don't want to understand it. They're like the people who come up to the mountain and, and the Lord said, tell all those people, Moses, not to come up to the mountain because if they come up to the mountain, they touch a mountain, I'm going to kill them all. And they're okay with that. I wouldn't be okay with that. I want to be like Joshua. I want to be like right there on the mountain. I want to be on the mountain. And, but these people were like, okay, Moses, you go up and get the information from God, and you come back and tell us what to do, and we'll do. Did they ever do that right? They never did that right. They always messed up. They did because the problem is, is they never wanted to get to God. Moses did. Joshua did. Aaron just hung out. Aaron was a Demet, uh, 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 Demas. Aaron, Aaron made that golden calf. He wanted to be close to God. And Moses was, he wanted to be right there with Moses. And when Moses walked away and gave Aaron the opportunity to shine, he did shine. He made a golden calf and had a whole, whole nation sent. He's a Demas because he never was there with God. He was there with Moses. So you never want to be there for somebody else. That young man who left here a while back, all mad, uh, what he tried to be was with me. I, you got the wrong guy, man. Your, your walk needs to be with him. Now, there's nothing wrong with us fellowshipping together and having fun, but your walk needs to be built on him. Philip had that walk. Uh, Stephen had that walk. The seven uh, deacons had that walk. Peter had that walk. James had that walk. John had that walk. Paul had that walk. Barnabas had that walk. John Mark got that walk. That's the, that's the example all through your Bible in the New Testament is you need that walk. And then learn, that helps you learn how to fellowship with each other. He goes, and if you love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might, and love thy neighbor as thyself. You can't do that unless you do the other first. <coughs> you can't do that. And Paul, Peter's going, look, man, I've been at this for a long, long time. I'm telling you what Paul's saying is some tough stuff to understand. And you've got to beat your head against it because it goes against everything. It goes against our families. It goes against our history, our heritage. It goes against everything we've ever been taught. I'm like, and Paul goes, yeah, man, I'm telling you. This stuff, that's he goes, that's why the Lord had to take me on the backside of the desert for three years and beat me up so I could get this stuff and I could write it back. And then I come back and tell you guys, and y'all stole me and beat me and throw me out and do this and do this, and you don't want it either. And then finally he writes it, and where is Paul at the very end of his life? In a prison cell, and the only person with him is Luke. You would think, you would think that a guy, that Peter, the first pope, just said our brother Paul, would have been lifted up high on a pedestal somewhere and everybody would love him. And Paul is all by himself in a prison cell in Rome getting ready to get his head cut off. For the, the, so where do you think? I, I told me and Joe was talking the other day, what's going to happen is all these churches out there, people are going to come out of these churches and they're going to say, this is wrong, this is wrong. And Anchor is still going to be a light, hopefully, in, in, the, in the Dayton. And we will see growth in our church, I believe. But what we're seeing is the demise of all the other churches. As they're starting to drop off, 
people are looking for some place to go, and they'll come here, and we'll get souls from time to time. Y'all pray for uh, her husband, man. Uh, I think he's on the edge, right on the edge, of getting it. He's still struggling, but he he knows that he knows that what he first thought we were crazy. Now he just thinks we're crazy. <laughs> Soon he's gonna say these people aren't as crazy as I thought they were, and then he's gonna say I need Jesus. I already know what's going. Yeah, cause he, cause I'm crazy. So, any more questions? Come on, man. Y'all understand all that? Who? Oh, there it is. She's the question girl. Uh, the Bible says, where it says, "Work out your own salvations with fear and trembling." It's, it's. You can look it up. Yeah, if you got the verse, I don't have my phone with me. Work, just put work out. Here you go. I can look it up. I should know it. Now, Joe Biano was here. He would know it right off the bat because he's a genius. Who's got a phone? Look up workout KJV. Just put workout in your phone KJV in, in, a, in a browser. Google, man. You Google everything else. <laughs> Where is it? Where is it? Yeah, okay. No, 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 don't go away. Let's read it. Make sure that's what you're looking for. Don't trust Google. Trust in Google, man. What is up with that? Yeah, here you go. It says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do uh, his good pleasure, do all things without murmuring and disputing, that you may be blameless. So, yeah, you, what you do is, sanctification is a daily work out. Um, and you know what's wrong? Uh, here you go. I, I, I was telling somebody that years ago, people would work out their intellect. So you get back into the days of, of Mozart and, and Beethoven and Brahms and all them guys. It was intellect. Uh, Newton, uh, Einstein, all those, it's intellect. Now it's flesh. Man has, man has went and women have went to flesh. It's no longer intellect. We've let somebody else take our intellect away and put it in a little box in front of us, and we let it do everything for us. Now, now we're this. So everybody has to be buff, and everybody has to be, all the women have to be tens. All the guys, I don't know what a guy is. Uh, I'm never going to go yet, really. Uh, no, I'm, I, was, I won't say anything. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. There was nothing wrong with being a fat guy back then. I mean, but it was all the minds. It was the minds. And now, look, look at what we got as the president of the United States. I mean, we don't have a, uh, somebody with a mind up there. He has nothing. But I'm, I'm just. But, but what we've done is we've, we've. The whole thing has been degraded down to where. The only thing that people can do anymore is work out in their flesh. And this thing right here, I mean, everybody has to have a little watch on. It tells how many steps. I don't care how many steps I took. I'm going to take those steps whether I know how many I took or not. I'm going to walk up and down through here 100,000 times and go back and forth, do all this other stuff, get my truck, go to the, I'm going to do all that anyways. Why do I need to know? Why do I need to know what everybody else is uh, gets on? Anybody else got any other questions? You already hit your limit, too. No. Do you have another one? You know I'm not going to be able to answer it. Well, no, yeah, it was like, 
No, yeah, yeah, oh, no, oh, yeah, 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 oh, oh, McDonald had a farm. Yeah. For where? Well, first of all, we got to figure out how you're thinking when you say similar. <laughs> We hadn't got there yet. The sanctification, that's like 10 more down the road. Second Thessalonians 2.13. Oh, yeah. It's in your paper if you look at your paper. Oh, yeah. yeah, did you see the word sanctification in that document well, I gave? But right there, it's there. It says, and the, and the verse is there too. You can read the verse. Oh, yeah. no, but we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren. Through sanctification of the spirit and belief of truth at the bottom of the verse. So is there something else you were looking for? Okay, well, everybody else might want to go home, so you can stay after class. <laughs> Any other questions? Any other questions? Amen. Amen. You don't have one? How come you didn't get one? Maybe you weren't here the last time. Well, there's 12 hours anymore. There it is. All the way, and it's, uh, I put Romans Road on there because once you start getting into, into this, this is all these words play into that. And, and what happens to us on this other side over here is that. And most people never get that, so then they're always thinking that the two are tied together, we're getting beat up and banged up on and smacked and all this other stuff. And I'm already past all that. Your finger 